Hey there, welcome to Cageless, a conversation podcast about experiential wisdom and personal hope. I'm Jenny Johnson. I'm a writer and I'm asking experts, thought leaders, and my friends to share their knowledge and tools on how they found freedom. Hey, hi, hello, my friends. I don't know if you can hear that there are a ton of birds gandering, no, wrong verb, uh, making <laughs> a lot of noise outside. So if you do hear them, how fitting because this show is called Cageless. <laughs> so happy to be talking to all of you today. I hope that you had a wonderful week. I've started putting out these podcasts on Fridays, which you don't have to listen to them on Fridays. You can listen to them any day of the week that you choose. But Fridays tend to be my favorite day of the week. Um, I don't really know why that is. I think when I was in school, I just always looked forward to having some freedom from a completely like scheduled lifestyle, which as a freelancer now, I guess that kind of makes sense because it's actually kind of a double-edged sword being able to make your own schedule because like there's a thing called decision fatigue, which not being able to make a decision actually has been researched to propel anxiety, which also makes a lot of sense for me because sometimes when you have too many choices, you get a debilitating feeling and you don't know which one to pick. So for example, today I had an appointment this morning and then I was like, do I want to go work at home? Do I need to go walk my dog after? Do I need to go work at this coffee shop or do I try this place? And it's really hard, especially for someone that has, um, I guess, recovering decision fatigue. Like, I think that I've gotten a lot better at it. I use timers now, like to, <laughs> to give myself a little bit of boundaries with the decisions that I'm making. And it's just very helpful. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. Today, we are talking about something that, well, I guess I have had issues with deciding on in the past. We're talking about carbs and bread and food and American women, which all things that I feel quite passionately about. I am living in France now, and I've been around Europe the past couple of months, which I say couple, it's been a kind of a long time now that... Now that I think about it, I haven't actually lived in America for more than six months in a long time. So this is my cultural, uh, I don't want to say critique because it's not really a critique. It's more of a observation of my experience as an American woman and how bread and carbohydrates have been demonized against us as a whole. And I say women in this article that I'm going to read to you today that I wrote, but I think can it, it can be applicable to just about every American that I know, and maybe not just Americans, but that's the experience that I've had. We have a tendency to do things in excess. So being on the side of not eating any carbs at all, or eating a ton of carbs, and you know, diet culture and yo-yo dieting is something that if you did grow up in my country, you have at least observed, even if you didn't take part in it. So today I'm going to be reading French Bread and American Women. You can find this article in its physical, well, 
digitally physical form at www.thejennyjohnson.com slash blog. Or if you'd like to read along, one of my favorite things to do in the entire world when I get a new piece of music or if I have like an audiobook, I if if the world worked the way that I wanted it to work, I would always have a physical copy of like lyrics or a transcript or a script in front of me as I'm listening. So I would love for you to do that if that's something that you also enjoy doing. <laughs> okay, here we go. Carbs for American women at least have simultaneously been idolized and demonized since the 1990s. I just moved to France. And though I've spent majority of the past year in countries where the consumption of food is vastly different than the Weight Watchers doctrine I was raised in, I'm beginning to see bread in a new light. Not like a star kept up on a tree, but rather like the trunk itself. The French people are a few things I've noted. Proud and slow. The way they treat their food is no different, and something I've never even considered embodying myself. As an American woman... At 27, just now feeling comfortable calling myself that, I've been taught that less is better. Smaller waist, smaller plates make for a larger life. A life of more opportunity and acceptance. A life I lost my womanhood in, ironically enough. From the time I can conceive a memory, I've dieted. Underweight or overweight, I've never pursued health. I've pursued shrinking. I still recall the cringeworthy Atkins diet commercials that played on the television in my parents' room, the P90X workout DVDs stacked in our ottoman, and the occasional go-ahead to my brother and I to order a Sprite as a sugary treat when we went out to eat on the weekends. American diet culture has consistently seeped into every crevice of my mind, and I didn't realize how cancerous it was until my grandmother pointed it out to me a few weeks ago. Your parents have never not dieted. It's been this way your whole life. Not that it's their fault, or anybody's fault for that matter. We've all been taught this way. The world we live in is one of Victoria's Secret models eating hamburgers and bikinis. We remain perceptive to contradicting signals to work and indulge, to have it all. Isn't that the American dream? When you think of France, the typical emblems that come to mind are kissing, baguettes, red wine, and loads of cheeses you cannot pronounce. Things Americans tend to not indulge in on a daily basis. What an interesting word, right? Indulge. What's so evil about it? What makes these pleasurable items so wrong that we give them moral value before consumption? The mere thought of enjoying a piece of flaky, buttery bread has been marked with a scarlet letter in our psyches before we can even consider if we want it or not. In my attempt to balance my hormones back after not obtaining a period for years, I began to explore the holistic route of female reproductive health. Recovering from anorexia meant rebalancing every part of me. Creating hormonal balance also meant rebalancing my gut. And what better avenue to explore than the art of sourdough making? I learned that fermented bread wasn't going to make me fat. In fact, there are many prebiotic features in sourdough that overall attribute to microbiome health. Bread contains more than 200 volatile molecules, making it chemically more complex than wine or cheese. Helpful to know in the world of French gastronomy. But what if I told you that the way you consume your food matters more than your preconceived notions of what is good or bad for your body, your mind, your soul? 
That extra glass of wine isn't going to kill you, just like that pan uchakala isn't going to make you unworthy of wearing that skin-tight dress you have picked out for dinner. The French have mastered the art of kneading and kneading, creating and consuming, with timely intention. If you know anything about baking, then you know it is nothing like cooking. I heard Rachel Ray say once that she doesn't measure when she cooks, but a dash here, a splash there, simmering until brown doesn't cut it in the kitchen of a baker. Precise and intentional is what it has to be. I wonder what would happen if women started treating their bodies more like bread, loving themselves and their arches with care and respect, not forcing our curves to shrink or grow, but rather listening to them, feeling them, caring for them. After all, aren't bodies temples to our souls? As a practicer of Christian faith, I've learned a thing or two about daily bread in my journey of recovery, that the only antidote to shame is gratitude. It's been speculated that when the God of the universe wanted to reveal himself for the first time in human history, he gave the masses bread. And when God wanted to remind the human race the big, beautiful love story he was authoring all along across generations, he gave them bread. And later on, when the Messiah wanted to communicate the weight of what was about to be seen through torture and unbearable thorns, like his body, he broke bread. So why is it that we deplete ourselves of the substance made of the earth? Similar to the voice of evil twisting, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Satan cried, holding an ultimatum in front of Jesus' nose in the desert. I've heard this voice many times behind my own ears, one whispering to betray myself, creating distance between my soul and my body. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. I'd like to add, women, too. There are no ifs in the kingdom of God I want to live in, the earth I want to inhibit, the culture I want to invest in. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not on the condition of what I consume or what I look like. Bread is universal, something we break, we share, we use to nourish ourselves and our homes. How is it that a food symbolic of such humility and history could be weaponized against an entire demographic for the sake of vanity, of fitting into a smuggling mold of rigidity? I will tell you that this year on my excursion to find freedom in food, I'm exploring the rights of the most basic and intricate product this earth and its people have to offer. I've grown tired of living in a cultural cage that attempts to convince me I'm not worthy to eat the gracefully crafted by ancient practice, bread. My body has too. What would it look like to give into the fermentation process rather than fight it? To chew instead of spit? To embrace instead of avoid? This year, I'm going to investigate what makes French bread what it is and why it's worthy of the décret pain. In 1993, it was stated that traditional baguettes have to be made on the premise where they're sold and can only be made with four ingredients, wheat, flour, water, salt, and yeast. What makes the best boulangerie the best? What does it take to create bread that feeds not only our bodies, but our souls?
dun 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 there is that and i hope that you tune along to my adventures throughout france and bread and if you enjoyed that piece that i wrote and read out loud please head on over to my blog give it a like give it a comment let's talk about it you can also find me over on tiktok shoot me a message over there or on my Instagram and let's break some bread uh, metaphorically or literally. I'd love to break some bread with each of you. I love you. I hope you had a great week. This was kind of a short episode. It's a little dark here in Paris right now and I'm still kind of getting used to being fully communicating with people in the United States and other parts of the world and like the time zone differences, it's hard. But whatever you're doing today, I challenge you to choose your favorite bread. Maybe have a piece of rye or white or pumpernickel, which is just a variation of rye that's a little bit more sweet and has more coarsely ground rye. Anywho, if you want to support Cageless and the creation of this bread series that I am making for you guys to be better you can support over on Patreon which will be in the show notes. I love you guys. I think I've said that three times now. Lucky three which are lucky numbers real. I'm not super sure. I'll say it a fourth time. I love you. (laughs) Hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and be nice to yourself. Break some bread. Bye.